Tech is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersections of technology and ministry. It is part of the podcast network sponsored by Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Our show today is hosted by Martin Spriggs and Sally Draper. Welcome back to Wells Tech, everybody. This is episode 709, and we're recording it on September 28th, 2023. You've joined a show about technology and ministry, and I'm one of your hosts, Martin Spriggs. And uh, we explore those intersections and helping me do that each and every time we gather. Sally Draper. Hey, Sally. Hey, Martin. It is a big week for me on Wells Tech and in Wells World, I guess, actually. Um, really? Excited to be here and excited to be working full-time again after a pretty major health crisis kind of sidelined me for a lot of this year. So, um, yeah, back to Wells Tech, normal uh, season and back to full-time work. Nice. Congratulations. I know that yeah. was a long road. And by the grace of God, uh you're back. That's that's awesome. And, Most uh, definitely. I'm looking forward to uh, more Wells Tech. Um, and we never really left it, but uh, we just kind of set it aside a little bit. And um, that's okay, too. A little refresher, uh, come back. And I know we had a conversation, Sally, I don't know, about a month ago. You said, well, do we have any th- more things to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, the answer is a resounding yes. We get things to talk about all the time. So um, it's good stuff. The Lord continues to provide opportunities, tools uh, to uh, feed the show, not just to feed the show, but to spread the gospel. So good stuff. Welcome back. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, and to help celebrate your your homecoming, uh, we have our semi-regular classroom technology correspondent, Rachel Feld, is joining us once again for another year of educational technology talk. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Martin. Hey, Sally. Sally, you should have told me I would have brought a cake or cake. something. Yeah. Right. Well, you should have an extra slice tonight on my behalf. Okay. My husband said he'd take me out to celebrate. So nice. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. How's Rachel? Oh, well, you know, the school year is off to a running start here on campus. <laughs> it's great to have kids around again. The campus gets a little lonely during the summer. So mm-hmm. it's nice to have, uh, have some vibrant students back. It's also homecoming week. So we've got lots um, of visitors, yes. lots of great activities planned, and big football game, all the great stuff. So besides your directorial activities, are you teaching classes this year? Uh, I am teaching online classes this year. Uh, this semester, I am team teaching a graduate course, uh, which is something about UDL and technology. The actual name of the course escapes me. <laughs> um, that's a graduate course in our ed tech program. And then second semester, I'll be teaching another grad course, enhancing the curriculum with technology. So I, you know, if it's about technology, I, you're there, 
You're the gal. <laughs> well, we'll right. look forward to picking your brain on those topics as we go along here too. So, well, during our focus on these educational technology shows, we try and pick a theme that threads itself, weaves it way, weaves its way throughout the uh, the school year, and we've done that again. And this time, we actually picked a book uh, to read through upon Rachel's suggestion. And the book's name is AI Class, uh, what is it called? The AI Classroom, The Ultimate Guide to Artificial Intelligence in Education. Daniel Fitzpatrick, author. So uh, this is a topic, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I get quite a few questions, uh, both from uh, our co-workers and church leaders about, you know, where is this headed and what is its place in the church? And maybe even more often, what is its place in the school? Uh, so that's why we thought this would be a great topic to go through. And we wanted kind of a, a guide uh, to take us through some of the relevant topics. And uh, we thought this book would be a good uh, a good way to do that. So, Rachel, you're the one that recommended us. What what struck you about this particular book that you felt would be relevant for our audience? Uh, well, the fact that I have read it before was really <laughs> super helpful. Um, so this summer, um, Carrie Minty, who the instructor that I'm team teaching with. Um, put together a book study for a group of MLC professors and some other staff members on campus. And we use this book to kind of talk through the potential implications of AI on this campus, on our schools, because they're just, there's a lot in there. Um, our open learning at MLC online conference this past summer did talk about AI and, um, I perhaps should be embarrassed to admit, but in our planning for that conference, uh, AI was brought up and I uh, mistakenly, mistakenly said, oh, I, I think it's just going to be kind of done and over with in a couple months. So do we really want to plan a summer conference on something that's going to be? So I was wrong, very, very wrong. <laughs> um which I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong. And uh, so this summer we got to read through this book and uh, helped with our, our conference presentations there. And it, what I like about it is that it's, uh, it, it has more background, um, more kind of research and pedagogy type things than some of the other books out there. There are just a slew of AI in education books uh, and some of them you can tell were perhaps uh, rushed to the printing press a little Maybe bit. created quickly. with AI? Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I understand because you want to, you know, get in front of the trends. And that's a tricky thing to do in publishing. Uh, but this one, um, uh, when Carrie picked it out after looking through it, I was like, yeah, that's a, it's a pretty hefty discussion guide. Um, mm -hmm. So I think we will enjoy it as well. Maybe before we jump into some of the, the topics that we uncovered in the first few chapters, we'll kind of divvy this up. Uh, maybe share what your experiences have been with AI so far. Uh, I can start. Uh, mine have been very minimal. I have used it a few times to write things like job descriptions, um, 
presentation outlines, those kinds of things, but but not, I wouldn't say I've really taxed uh, my AI friend uh, in, in doing that. I think I used ChatGPT or, or maybe it was Bing's as well. And we'll talk about some of the particulars of that. But I've really only dipped my toe in the water, so to speak. And my reactions so far have been, I think, leaning toward positive. Uh, I felt that what I received back was a useful start. Let's put it that way. It helped me explore different areas. I did teach a, a, a grad course um, the end of last school year, and uh, we had some a little bit of fun with that, trying to, to craft um, uh, documents or presentations based on certain topics that we were discussing there as a class. Uh, but that's been it. It has not been a uh, uh, part and parcel to every anything that I do on a regular basis. But uh, so that's been been mine. Sally, how about you? Well, interestingly, I guess I would classify myself also as dipping my toe in the water. Um, but I've actually used it because of some of the image capabilities in Canva. Mm -hmm. um, they have created um, have an area where you can create images, and some of these most recent Wells Tech. Um, promo images were actually done with artificial intelligence. This tech, like a pirate, chapter five and six, that one was um, me telling it to give me a watercolor with computers and books and things and and so on as you look at some of the more recent Wells Tech imagery. Um, so that's been a pretty neat experience to kind of play with, you know, 12 different ways that it could create things and, and tweak and um, go from ideas that it gives me to come up with a final image. So um, besides that, um, just a little bit of playing with chat GPT. I actually, this morning I asked it to make me an exercise routine um, and I kind of gave it some of the background on my um my health conditions and things that are weak and areas I'd like to improve in um, maybe, you know, three or four sentences. And it came up with a full routine with me It disclaimered, you know, make sure your medical professional mm -hmm. approves of this and all kinds of things. It was really impressive. So um, I, I see the potential. I've played with it a little. So I've maybe waited in a little bit more, um, mostly, in preparation for classes and presentations and things. Um, my first kind of real deeper jump was uh, this summer I was teaching a class, a continuing education class about uh, classroom presentations, I think. Um, actually, Martin, I think it was a redo of a class you taught a long time ago. Um, and so uh, Obviously, presentation technology has changed in the past, like, mm -hmm. I think it was almost 10 years ago. And so I needed to update the course. And I asked, I, in chat GPT, I put together, you know, this is, these are the course, like the course goals. I didn't really write them very well, but I told chat GPT what I wanted out of this course. Um, and it spit out a syllabus. It's spit out a like lesson plans, it spit out pacing guides, topics. I was pretty amazed because um, I, I didn't think it would do such a good job. And it really helped me as uh, kind of giving me a starting point because I a lot of times, you know, a, a project like planning a class is such a, seems like such a big task that for me, it's hard to get started. 
And so when I could just say, hey, person on the internet, not real person, um, could you please help me get started? And it did. Like that was that was pretty cool. And then throughout the summer, um, through different presentations and things, I've gotten the chance to try out uh, different prompts and um, I, I've used it for writing emails that you know you maybe didn't want to write uh, about students who maybe weren't doing so well in class. Um, I've played around a little bit with writing report card comments, which I don't have to write anymore. But when I did, I didn't like writing them. Um, and it does a really nice job of that. Um, so there are just a lot of kind of little areas where it, it can just help some annoyances in life. Um, one of my favorites is a, I think it's called Goblin Tools. And I believe it was perhaps a pick of mine last season where it will take a task and uh, like you need to clean your kitchen. Well, that's pretty overwhelming for me. And so it breaks it down into pieces and I don't have to think about the breaking down into pieces. So there's just a lot of really, really cool ways that it can make life just a little bit easier. Interesting. Well, we're going to explore things as we go, and I'm sure there'll be some real life experiences we'll share along the way. I'm looking forward to that too, uh, seeing what it can do for us that uh, I know Microsoft is all in on this. I'm attending a Microsoft conference next week, and I'm sure it'll be all over that conference. Um, it's it's getting embedded everywhere. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, but back to the book, uh, I thought a structured review of it, especially as it relates to education, would be a great topic for the podcast, as we mentioned. Uh, ladies, as you read the first, we'll, we'll kind of chunk this out into the first three chapters for this episode. As you read these first three chapters entitled, uh, what was it called? Uprising, I think. Um, what kind of stood out? Any relevant points that you think are worth sharing or uh, revelations to you or things that you thought you'll know, kind of sum this sum this topic up nicely, or at least the first three chapters? I guess I can go. Um, mine is going to be a lot less deep than, than Rachel, who studied the book in the past. But I'll just say it kind of starts with some history behind it. It was interesting to hear about the Turing test and Chinese room, um, mm -hmm. which are a couple of different ways that our standards are um, myth busting standards or whatever that people have set up to, to see if artificial intelligence is really, you know, as smart as a human kind of thing. Um, learning some of the the vocabulary and things, what goes into it, how it's created, lots of background information. Um, really interesting. Um, ways that we've been using it for a long time and not realizing it even necessarily. And then a uh, look at uh, the potential for the future and, you know, what's bad about it. So it's, it's pretty balanced in terms of, you know, giving you some, some historical perspective and then, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly in the process. Rachel, do you have any thoughts as you as you considered the first three chapters here? Yeah, well, I, personally, I can't think about AI and especially part one is called the uprising uh, without thinking to the Avengers and Age of Ultron and like all those kind of things mm -hmm. where, you know, is that where it's heading? And um, 
thank goodness God's in control and, you know, Age of Ultron probably won't be a real thing or if it is, God's still in control, so it'll be okay. Um, but I, I think that people would do well to understand some of that background and where AI is coming from and what it really is because it's not just a new way to search Google. Um, it does... It, it, the way it comes up with answers is, I mean, it's thinking, but it's not really thinking. It's, it's math uh, when it comes down to it. So I think having a better understanding of how AI does what it does will help a lot of educators, um, especially feel more, either more comfortable with using AI or at least have a better understanding of where this content is coming from, which is important when you're talking about using content with parents and students and those kind of things. I think one of the fears of AI in the minds of a lot of people is it's going to take my job or I'm going to be replaced uh, by AI. And I guess that's that's valid. The one thing that came out to me in the book at least these first three chapters was that, yeah, it will, but that shouldn't be a concern because there are other more uh, human centric uh, roles that will be necessary. So they talked about um, jobs that require creativity will be even at a higher premium. So artists, writers, designers, I would think, uh, you know, many knowledge workers like teachers, pastors fall into that category as well. We are creators. We we craft lessons. We craft sermons. We craft Bible studies. And while AI can help with that, that creative aspect, that thing that uh, uh, that kind of missing element with when you apply a computer is still going to be there, whether you have a very smart computer or not. And he kind of dives into this emotional intelligence piece where computers can't do that. They can't apply emotions and they can't connect the dots in an emotional way. And that's how we communicate. And that's the that's going to always be the, the missing link when you're when you don't involve a a, a creation of God like a human who has built-in soul, has built-in emotions. Uh, is built to react and relate to others. That's that's not going to be replicable. So, I think that was the good news. And as soon as people kind of understand their role and AI's role, it makes a little bit more sense, and you can kind of use it as the tool that it will become. Well, that's something I've been kind of trying to highlight with technology, any technology in education, because. Um, the question has always been, are computers going to replace teachers? Because you can log a kid in and have them sit down and the computer will figure out, you know, oh, they're at this level of math. So now they need to do this lesson and they didn't do so well. So now we need to go back to this lesson. Computers can figure that out way faster than we can. Um, but a computer and AI cannot figure out that, well, this kid had a rough night because his hamster right. died the night before. Um, or in things like sermon writing, it can, it weirdly can come up with a short sermon. Um, I had 
when I was presenting to a high school, someone tried that out. They said, can you give me a 15 minute devotion on this topic from a um, conservative Lutheran perspective? And it did. And it was doctrinally sound, but it was really boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, not that I'm suggesting our pastors use AI for their sermons, because that's really not a great idea. Um, but that, you know, the backbone can be there, but AI can't bring in all the stories from your congregation or the personal um, applications, all those kind of things that make it not boring. And so I think that's, we need to focus on that. And if I can write my report card comments quicker through AI and then spend that extra time either connecting with my own personal family as a teacher or, you know, making stronger connections with my students, I think that's a good use of technology and let let us humans shine where God has given us that, those great opportunities to make connections. I um, was particularly excited as it dove into specific areas where AI currently helps or can be helpful in the future. And that's where maybe I've dipped my toe into it more than I realized because I speak to my friend Alexa quite often here at home. And actually, um, one of the areas that it talked about was in things like healthcare and senior care and disabilities and things like that. And I will say um, we had just moved in our house maybe six months before I fell ill. And one of the things I did was set up Alexa lighting. And when I was flat on my back and unable to do pretty much anything at all for myself, and I couldn't even climb the stairs, was sleeping downstairs all alone, I could at least turn the lights on if I needed to. And that was pretty much a huge blessing, I can just tell you. And of course, it tells more advanced things that it can do for you as as things progress. And the self-driving car actually gives me hope that I'll be able to drive again someday or or get where I want to go, have the car drive for me and stuff. So just um, so many areas of potential that aren't that emotional, creative side, but just task-oriented. Mm-hmm. I think... I think. Oh, go ahead, Rachel. I think tech support is one like great area where I kind of wish I had a AI assistant that could answer Moodle questions some days. <laughs> um, I was setting up a new printer the other uh, last weekend, which is a whole, why are printers so terrible and why can't people fix that? Um, but I had to go on the HP website and a little chatbot came up and said, Hey, what can I help you with? I was like, well, okay, fine, I'll, I'll bite and chatted with the little chatbot for a while. And sure enough, totally answered my question. And I didn't have to search around on the HP website for the answer, um, which is great because that website's not super well organized. Um, Not that I blame them because websites are real hard to organize, but it was such a quicker uh, and better experience because I could tell this chatbot exactly what was wrong, what I needed. And it's like, here you go. There was no waiting for a customer service agent. There was no 
talking to a person <laughs> that I didn't know. Uh, it was just quick and easy tech support. Mm-hmm. Sally, you mentioned disabilities and and seniors. I think that's an area where anything that can make technology more accessible and approachable, like like Rachel was talking about, you know, fixing a printer or even setting up a printer, where you can mm-hmm. apply technology and, and get a little technology friend at your side that can help you through that or explain that or even do it for you. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that makes technology kind of fulfills the promise that technology has kind of been uh, positing for a long time that, yeah, it can save you time or it's a, it's a good thing to, to bring into your life because it'll solve X, Y, and Z problems. Often technology is the X, Y, and Z problem. Um, you can't get your phone to do it or work or re- you got to reboot your computer or a driver's missing or, you know, whatever. Um, but with this smarter AI assistant kind of helping you navigate through Mm -hmm. the issues, asking the right questions, maybe asking them in a different way, not a, maybe not necessarily a, a stiff, you know, developer technologists way, (laughs) um, you know, kind of in human terms, which you can make, uh, AIs do that. Um, I think that's a win. And I'm looking forward to to some of these encounters where that's the case. You can already do that with writing code and you know all the other things that we've talked about. And that's only going to get, I think, a little bit easier, uh, make things a little bit easier in a lot of different ways. So that's an exciting prospect for me. For sure. And, you know, bringing it back, the book does talk about education um, in the forefront and the things that it will do for education and and on the positive and the negative side, you know, the bias that could be Mm -hmm. there and the way we need to teach our students to be discerning and that kind of thing. So, um, but this, this first section is broader than that and gets into all these different areas and just helps to kind of unlock your brain to think and see the things around you that are impacted. Yeah. It addresses a lot of terms that are key to understanding how AI works. It talks about bias, discrimination, reasoning, a big section on reasoning there. What does that actually mean? Critical thinking, you know, all those play a part in how you interact with or how you see AI and how you work with it. So mm-hmm. good stuff. I am looking forward to future chapters, but that was kind of a good foundational start. I would encourage our listeners, if so, uh, inclined to grab a copy of the book. It's available on Kindle or paper um, and uh, follow along with us as we go. So we'll be taking this a cha- uh, about three chapters at a time over the course of the school year-ish. Um, I think some of the chapters are longer, so we may slow it down a little bit for some of them, but uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, if you want to follow along, please do so. All right. Um, should we move along here? Let's take a look at our podcast agenda. Ministry <laughs> resources next, Sally. Yes. And uh, this week we're featuring um, a Wells resource from our congregational services area. So um, they have a resource titled The Foundation, um, which actually goes along with the church here and provides amazing, um, mm-hmm. you know, supplemental and helpful resources. Um, 
Each foundational resources. Even. Founda- there you go. <laughs> foundational resources. And each part of it um, kind of aligns with the pericope, the chosen mm-hmm. readings for a particular Sunday. And um, as an example, we're in church year A, and here at the end of the church year, um, a lot of the, the readings are around parables that, that Jesus told. So there's a whole series of um, sermon helps and imagery, um, slide screens, um, maybe Facebook posts to tell about it, all those things that weave this story. And you know what? I'm so glad we're talking about this today because um, I'm blessed to be in the congregation where um, one of the people that works on this is is a member that would be Carissa Nelson, who's an artist, and she's done a lot of the artwork for the foundation, and she actually presented it on it on Sunday in our Bible class, believe oh, it or really? not. We cool. we had picked this topic before, but it was really interesting how they work on this. There's um, podcasts produced around it so the, the pastor can listen, um, like he's at a circuit meeting and doing a text study for the, the Sunday. Um, he can listen to the podcast and have kind of a discussion with those people um, that are involved with the podcast. I think I just read an article about the podcast um, maybe in Forward in Christ, I'm not sure, but uh, really neat that um, the podcast is there for pastors and then all the supplemental materials around it. Um, it used to be that congregational services had a big push at Christmas and Easter. They would call it the E2023 um, series or the C2023 series for Christmas and Easter. But now this foundation series really carries you all through the year, and it's very outreach-focused. Um, it, the, the design of it is meant to present this whole series of readings, not just one particular Sunday, but um, you know, bringing people in around a series seems to be um, very well-received. And so um, really excited for the resources that are available in the foundation. Yeah, there's a blog post we'll put a link to in the show notes that that talks about it, obviously, but it's also talking about the outreach resources that are available, this one for mm-hmm. Christmas, and there's an order deadline by October 24th if you want related materials to be printed for you uh, that goes along with the series. Um now is the time to consider that and get your order in. So take a look at that blog post and click on the links there to get your order in for uh, the foundation Christmas uh, materials. So good stuff, postcards and all the all the stuff that they had for the C22s and 21s, uh, mm-hmm. but they've kind of wrapped it all together here. So take a look at that. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to our picks of the week. And our guest host is uh, batting leadoff. Hey, Rachel, what did you bring to the table today? Oh, so someone might have to cut cut me off about talking about this because I'm so super excited. Um, But it is the new Cricut Joy Extra. Um, So I got a Cricut Joy, which is the baby Cricut, back in December um, because I didn't want to wear a costume at the faculty Christmas party. (laughs) There's an education tie here. Yes, of course there is. Um, And so uh, my group would we did uh, t-shirts instead and so I could make the t-shirts and uh, love love my Cricut Joy it was nice and little good price point but it couldn't make stickers 
Uh, I mean, it could, but there are a lot of hacks and it was just a lot. Um, so last month, Cricut uh, released this Cricut Joy Extra, which is exactly what I've been wanting, which is a little bit bigger of a Cricut Joy. Um, and the extra thing that it can do is it can make print and cut stickers, which is why I was installing a printer last weekend. Um, <laughs> so uh, if you're not familiar with the Cricut, it is uh, a cutting and drawing machine. It, um, uh, what are those, the plotter, kind of like a plotter, is that printer mm-hmm. thing? That's a thing mm-hmm. um, that... Uh, it hooks up to your computer. There's a design space uh, program and you can basically make anything you can think of and you can cut it out on vinyl that is adhesive or um, iron on. Um, you can put markers in it and it will draw or you can take your new logo from your uh, MLC IT services department and print it out on special printable vinyl and uh, then feed it through the Cricut Joy Extra and it will cut around to make cool die cut stickers, Mm. Um, which is just, you know, it's cool to have stickers on your water bottles and laptops and all that stuff, but ordering them can't, like you have to order a ton. So this is a really nice way to make, normal size quantities of what you might need. I've been having a lot of fun making t-shirts. This one also is a little bit wider than the Cricut Joy, so I can make designs that are a little bit bigger, which is delightful. Um, And it's, I just love the combination of technology and creativity um, and that I can make something that actually looks good, even though, like my brain's artistic, but my hands aren't super artistic. <laughs> so the cricket does it exactly how I want it to, which is really nice. Nice. Awesome. I can envision this in the hand of a teacher doing stickers for, for their kids as giveaways, that kind of stuff, right? Oh, good gracious. Yes. Um, <laughs> or, you know, printing out bulletin board pieces or labels mm-hmm. for things. Um, I mean, I've labeled pretty much everything I could in my house. So it's just really super fun. Did I mention that um, our church has Carissa Nelson, who's a wonderful um, artist, and we actually have um, vinyl to give away that are cool stickers because adults love them too. So I made my water bottle St. Paul's um, water bottle with some special vinyl. I don't think it was done on a Cricut Joy. I think they ordered lots of quantity, but, um, but yeah, that same concept for sure. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right, Sally, what's up for you? Well, I am going to talk about, um, a new kind of resource hub for teachers. And I heard about this through someone I follow on Facebook. Um, he's, I don't know if you've seen him and I know his first name is Jerry. I can't remember his last name, but he's a principal and he's from down South. He has a really strong accent and he's always doing these funny videos about the crazy things that kids say in the class or whatever. Anyway, um, he has a partnership with Verizon. So he was promoting this Verizon innovation learning headquarters recently, which is um, basically kind of resources, classroom uh, lessons and Um, all the resources around it for different, um, especially STEM-focused 
learning in your classroom. So you do have to create a free account to get access to everything fully. But when you do, um, like I said, there's plenty of lesson plans. Um, there's versions. I think I have open like a version for um, the facilitator, the teacher, um, and all the things that you need to know there. And then um, versions um, for handouts for the students and things like that. So, and it's all grade level organized and searchable, um, really pretty amazing resources that they've put together here um, on the Verizon Innovation Learning Headquarters. So, um, if you are looking for new resources, uh, this may be a place to create a free account and check out what they have available. Very nice. Thank you, mm -hmm. Sally. My pick of the week is actually a blog post entitled How to Turn Your Smartphone into a Webcam. Um, the best camera that you probably have at your disposal is the one that you probably carry along with you all the time. And that's on your smartphone. And this is an article that basically walks you through, regardless of your technology, whether you're Windows or a Mac, or whether you have an iPhone or an Android phone, or you mix and match those, he gives you, I don't know if it's a he, it must be a he. Why do I say it must be? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was. In my mind, this was a he, but uh, who's the writer here? Uh, I don't see a name. Uh, Julian which could be boy or girl, but it is a guy. Um, <laughs> Julian writes uh, how to turn your smartphone into a webcam. Uh, I don't want to get into too much more trouble here. Anyway, <laughs> he, um, I've tried uh, the iPhone to Mac, which works really well. That's, that's built in. The continuity camera, if you have a, a modern system, works super well. In fact, if you're watching the video right now, that's what I'm using as my webcam is my iPhone connected to my Mac. But uh, you can connect your iPhone to a Windows machine. You can connect your Android Android phone to a Mac or Android to, to Windows, and it works just as well. I've tried the, uh, the tools that he's offered here as well. And it gives you, uh, no joke, a much better image because uh, these cameras are awesome. They mm. do much better in low light. Um, and there's all kinds of accessories now that you can buy that'll hang them off the top of your monitor or on a tripod or whatever, so you can get it kind of just exactly where you want it. It'll offer you the uh, one of the green screen effects. It'll do the pro the portrait mode, so you can blur that oh. in a in a nice you know more pleasing way than maybe your webcam does or your software does. And it works with Zoom or, or Teams or Google Meet, all those things. And it just appears as another camera. Another use I've seen for this is as a document camera. So if you want to kind of switch back and forth between your talking head and what's maybe on your desk, or you're demonstrating something, you can position it in such a way where you can go back and forth. So uh, very cool tools. And this article makes it very simple to kind of get you hooked up mm -hmm. and uh, figure out how to use that. So uh, webcams are, uh, there are some very good webcams. You're going to pay probably 100, 150 bucks to get one that, you know, does does some of these things. But this is something you already have. And especially if you have, uh, if you're more portable and uh, you don't want to use the kind of the yucky cams that are built into a lot of uh laptops. This is a great alternative. So that's my pick of the week. 
yucky cams. That's a whole marketing area mm-hmm. that could be improved upon, I guess. But exactly. <laughs> interesting. <So. laughs> All right. Uh, then time to move on to community news and feedback. And just like we planned it or something, which we didn't, um, we had email this week from our friend Michael Vlieger. He's the principal and technology coordinator at Risen Savior Lutheran School here in Mankato. And he was actually just kind of talking about different websites he's used and success he's had using AI tools. Imagine that. So I told him I'd have to pay him a buck or something for sending this at just the right time. Uh, Here's what Michael had to say. I've been using the text extractor from Windows Power Toys to extract text from a scan of my textbook or online text that's not selectable. Once I have that text, then I paste it into either webdiftme.me, which is the screen I'm showing currently in the screen sharing, um, or something called app.twee.com, and basically a way to tweak your lessons with the power of AI. And they have tools to analyze the text and create multiple choice and open-ended questions. So using information from the textbook and allowing them to to do the first stab at what the test materials or research materials might be. Um, Dift has a tool to analyze a website and create an adapted reading passage that's leveled to a chosen grade level and also create a Google form question list. Currently, I prefer Twee for open-ended questions for students to follow along while reading a text in class. And Dift is better for leveling text to an appropriate level so all students can benefit, not just the ones at a certain reading level. Um, And then he says, P.S. I I discovered um, magicschool.ai before completing the email he was writing to us. And it states it has over 50 tools for teachers Um, from lesson planning to content creation and other useful tools a teacher may like to streamline. And there is a YouTube video. I'll include a link to it just to maybe 12 minute walkthrough of some of the main features of magic school. I can't imagine he's able to go through all 50, but um, a high level overview of the things available here. And then finally, he mentions questionwell.org, which can create multiple choice question sets that can be exported to Kahoot, which sounds like a lot of fun. And also things like Google sites and Google forms, et cetera. So he's used it for vocab quizzes. Um, Rachel, I bet some of those were in the list of things that you were planning to share as we got further into the book. Were you familiar with those? Um, not the first two, but okay. magicschool.ai is, oh, there's so look, much look pretty there. cool. Yeah, it looks <laughs> yeah. like they could write IEPs for you. I know a lot of teachers who would <laughs> love that piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, watch the video and see if there's something that might be of interest and let us know how you're already using AI for your classroom um, uh, needs and stuff. So we'd love to hear from more people uh, making use of it. Actually, we did hear, funny, that Michael wrote to me and mentioned Magic School. Um, There was a blog post that just came out last Friday from our friends at Blueprint Schools. And guess what the topic was? Cool school tool. Um, magic school AI. So um, Blueprint Schools is on the magic school bus as well, apparently, and recommending that as a a tool to use. Um, Curriculum tools, it's got unit plan generators, math spiral review, 
um, instructional tools, making it relevant and common misconception generators, assessment tools, fun tools. Um, there's something called a colleague song generator. Based on information given, it can create text to match the rhythm of any song and artist. Um, and he did something to Ice Ice Baby and has his song lyrics here. So check this out. This is from um, Blueprint Schools written by Ryan Kirkhoff, who I believe serves at Fox Valley Lutheran High School. Very nice. For your next party, Rachel, you could make t-shirts and have a, a theme song to boot. There you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you both. Appreciate your time and our audience as well. Um, again, if you want more information about any of the things that we've talked about, uh, go ahead and leave us a comment on our show notes page, wellstech.wells.net, or email us, wellstech at wells.net. We're on all the socials. You'll find us there as well. So connect with us. This would be, a, I think, a great time to kind of uh, have our listeners come out of the woodwork and kind of chime in on their AI experiences, because I think everybody's going to have a different experience and a different thought. This would be a great topic to to really have a good conversation around. So please do that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, next time we meet, I think uh, Sally and I might be in the same place at the same time. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't know what we're talking about yet, but we're going to find <laughs> a good topic. So. <laughs> So looking join us then. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. So take care, everybody. Uh, God's blessings on your ministries as you find those intersections between technology and ministry. Bye-bye.